welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the book Tales of a Toxic Teacher, Exposing the Cycles of Abuse Within Our Schools, written by Angela Harders. In this book, Angela shares some of the shocking experiences that happen behind the closed doors of a public school classroom and exposes some of the many abuses that take place in school, intentionally and unintentionally, and no one escapes unscathed. Tales of a Toxic Teacher will be available for purchase on Amazon.com on November 30th, 2021. You may also purchase signed copies from Angela's website, www.peacefulworldschoolers.com. Buy your copy today. Hello, and welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders. I am a gentle parenting author, a special education teacher, and a proud world schooling mother to two amazing kids, Sophia, who's seven, and Benjamin, who is three. Today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to an amazing woman named Serena Sutterfield. Thank you so much for joining us as we have a conversation that can change the world. Yes, absolutely. I'm a firm believer in if we want to change the world, we have to go home and love our families first. And that's exactly what I think homeschooling and this alternative lifestyle does for us. So my name is Serena Sutterfield. I have three children and they are 11, almost 13 and almost 16. And they know public school. So when we took them out of school and started homeschooling, it was like a shock for them. And they, at first, they weren't really sure what they were going to do. But having started this journey at the end of 2019, Um, doing it for a little while now, they're kind of coming into like their own groove and appreciating it for their own reasons. And I can't wait to get into it. Me too. Um, Can you share with us a little bit about what made you start considering homeschooling? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, we took them out of school at the end of 2019. And um, that was because the the that entire school year for them and the year prior to that, we were in two different school systems having moved um, in the same area. But we were having the same issues. And these issues were along the lines of my children being bullied by other kids in school and adults not doing anything about it to my oldest being bullied by an adult in school and nobody doing anything about it. 
Wow. I am so sorry to hear that. And I wish that I could say that your story and your situation is unique, but mm-hmm. unfortunately it is not. No, um, not. I'm, I'm a public school teacher myself, and actually I'm working on writing a book now called Toxic Teaching, and it talks exactly about what you just shared, how um, schools really are this toxic environment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we think about bullying between students and we're just like oh well that's just like a common thing that kids go through you know we brush it off like oh that's just what kids deal with Mm -hmm. Um, but we really don't talk about the bullying that happens between teachers and children Um, and it is it it is so damaging and so harmful and I'm so sorry that your children had to experience that firsthand yeah and I appreciate you for that and it really opened our eyes to a lot of things so like we were just saying with between the adults and the students we can talk about that first Uh, because I'm not sure which one of these issues was the biggest for me you know you get that whole mama bear mode when there's something going on with your kids and my oldest had come home from school one day to tell me that a substitute teacher had called her a liar And then not, and then not only that, and didn't stop there, but went on to tell my daughter and this classroom that they were good for nothing, would never amount to anything, and that they were basically a waste of space. Oh my gosh. Why, why teach? Why be in a position to talk to children that way if you aren't one who maybe, you know, might not be the best to be in front of children. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. What a terrible thing to say. And And especially because they're at just such a young and impressionable age where these words matter and they stick with you. An adult told me I'm not good enough. I might, that must be true because adults, Mm -hmm. this person is in a position of authority over me, you know, and they have such Teachers have such a influence over mindset, I think, over anything else that these kids go through in school. We do. You're absolutely right. And I think it does make it that much more harmful and damaging for children because exactly what you said, teachers are in this position of authority. And it's kind of just assumed that, you know, teachers are right as the authority and they don't really, kids don't have a right to question their teachers or um, to accuse them of abusive behavior. And um, it is, it's, it's extremely detrimental to children. I can't tell you how many adults, you know, when you ask adults, what were some of like the most difficult times of your childhood, so many of them can point back to something that happened in school, like something happened in school, whether it was with the students or with a teacher that had a marked difference on their life in a, in a negative way. Um, yeah. And so it just, I'm, I'm so, so sorry, not only for your, for your daughter, but also for the other students that had to experience that. Yeah, for sure. And how did you, how did you respond to that? I mean, as your daughter is sharing with you that this substitute is sharing these terrible things with not just her, but with the whole class, how did you as a mom respond to your child basically being verbally abused? Well, basically this was the straw that broke the camel's back as far as our decision, because all the other interactions had been between 
my children and other children. And so now when it got to this point with the teacher, that was it for me. And that was the day I handed in like their resignation. And I did not have words to be completely honest because I didn't trust myself to. Mm. So I let them know that it is the behavior of their faculty and staff that made this decision to homeschool my children very, very easy. Mm. Wow. And so when you made that decision to pull out your children in homeschool, what did, how did your children feel about that? My younger two were fine with it, I guess. They were like, yeah, I don't have to wake up at six (laughs) o'clock. You know, they were much easier. Uh, My oldest, though, having had been in the system for a while, being used to it. And so she was a little bit more resistant. She felt as if that classroom style learning was how she learned best. Hmm. Uh, and so would push back on several things, you know, assignments and stuff that we would do here at home. But over this past school year, since we started, we started unschooling this year has been such a drastic change. And she is so much more open and accepting to this idea of not going back to public school. And she's found a way to make new friends. And she has like everything that she could ever want now Mm. and attributes it to being able to be home from school. Wow. I love that. And I heard that you said at the beginning, you know, your daughter kind of had this pushback with assignments. um, And you said something very interesting that she felt like learning in the classroom was like the only, or the way that she learned best, I think is how you said it. Um, And it's so fascinating that you say that because you're absolutely right. Like, you know, younger kids don't have all those years of kind of that indoctrination of this is what learning is supposed to look like. Um, But, you know, for older children, it does, it really takes time to kind of get out of that mindset of like learning looks like this learning looks like this worksheet learning looks like someone else telling you what to do and what the objective is going to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it can be, challenging to adjust, um, you know, to that homeschooling lifestyle where you do have a little bit more freedom over what and how and where and when you learn. Um, And so I know you said at the beginning that you kind of used assignments, but now you're an unschooling family. I'm wondering, how did you discover unschooling? Because I had never heard of unschooling until a couple years ago. How did you Uh discover that? So there's a TV show on Netflix. Um, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily maybe call it a show. It's just a couple of episodes and I cannot, I didn't expect this question. I can't remember the name of the show, but Zach Efren and some other guy are like the hosts and they travel around the world and they experience like these different cultures. And there was this one episode that they had done. And I think they were in Costa Rica And there was this school that they had set up there that was full of children of all ages. And as they were talking, walking through and speaking with the adults about how can you teach um, a seven-year-old in the same classroom that you're teaching a 12-year-old, you know, how does that work? Mm -hmm. And these women went on to explain that this learning is is child-led that the older students help the younger students, which in turn is helping the older students and just this whole dynamic of it. And I was like, that's it. This is what (laughs) we're doing. This is amazing and wonderful. And it has been, I mean, I'm sure I'm not doing it the way that they're doing it or, but, but the way that we're doing it works for us right now. Yeah. I mean, and that's beautiful. And that's exactly 
that is the point of unschooling, you know, that you find something that works for you and your family and you go with it, you know, um, I'll have to look up the, that show so I can make sure to include it in the, in the show notes so that anyone who's listening, if they want to check it out, they can see that, but that's really cool that they were able to see this, um, kind of child-led learning happening in action. And, um, I know a lot of, a lot of people, when they hear the term unschooling, I know for me, it was really like off-putting, you know, I was like unschooling. I mean, that just sounds like nothing chaos, you know, (laughs) chaos everywhere. Um, so I, I like, you know, that people have these other ways of describing unschooling, like child-led learning, like you mentioned, um, we call it life learning or the name of my podcast, peaceful world schooling. Uh, that was a term that I came up with because I felt like peaceful world schooling really encompassed more what we were standing for rather than what we were standing against. Yeah. Um, and yeah, me too. Um, so I'm wondering what does unschooling mean to you? So I love this question because, and like you said before, being stuck in the mindset and like almost indoctrinated into this is how we learn. We have that is it's all over our lives. Okay. And so unschooling to me means that my kids get to discover who they are for real without the peer pressure and like being surrounded by, you know, all the other kids and and everything else. So if my daughter wants to wear like a silly t-shirt, she's not going to get made fun of for it. Or one uh, right after the pandemic, my other daughter shaved her eyebrows off because she wanted to, you know, so she didn't have to, so she can do these things without the risk of, being um, bullied or picked on or made fun of. She can, they can be free to express themselves, to learn about the things that they're interested in and ultimately develop their lives in the best way for them. Mm. Because I am not trying to create small versions of myself, which is a whole new realization for me, by the way, (laughs) Um, with the whole unschooling thing is like, wait a second. They are individuals and they need to learn and grow in their own way and in their own space. Mm. I love that you said that. I mean, that's just brilliant. Like I'm not trying to create smaller versions of myself. I mean, what a powerful parenting statement right there, you know, and you're, I mean, that's so brilliantly said, I'll have to like make a mug that says that. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just, you're absolutely right. Like a lot of times we do, we kind of have this idea that, you know, we're creating smaller versions of ourselves and no, like our children are unique with their own unique gifts and talents and interests that are different than mine and just as important as mine. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So what are your children interested in? Okay. So let's start with my oldest. Um, Her name is Kara. And she will be 16 soon. She's in the 10th grade. They still like to go by their grade levels because when people ask them out in public, what grade are you in? <laughs> and they say that they don't go to school. People all like look at them like they have three heads. So yeah. <laughs> she just says 10th grade. Her major interests are science and math. She's extremely gifted in both uh, like the science side of your brain, but also the creative side of your brain. So Mm -hmm. she likes to learn and explore the functional world in a creative way, because this is not something that she could do while she was in school. And a quick example of that is 
when she was in public school, her worst class to sit through that I fought with teachers over was history. Mm. She just did not like history. Um, it was not interesting to her. She would hurry up and she would do her work and she always got good grades, but because she would rush through her work, she would open a book and want to read instead. And the teacher would always, you know, not, that was not acceptable. So in order for, yes, it was not acceptable. She was not, she was to sit, just sit there quietly. So she would finish her work quickly and the teacher would be upset that she was voluntarily reading a book. Yes. And still get top marks as well. Wow. I would, I have students that I would pay them to To read read a book. book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So this lady, um, just, it wasn't how she ran her classroom and that's fine. And, but we had a lot of like pushback with this, with this one subject. So now she is taking an art history class online because she loves art, you know, so much. And she's able to learn about history through Mm -hmm. learning about art. So right now she's, she's learning, she's going chronologically, but She'll take a time period and think of, and think about all the different great like artists that that came up and emerged, all the great thinkers and, huh. and all the great like. And but she's learning about like one time period at a time, so she's learning everything that she needs to learn in a way that's interesting to her. That's a wonderful. And you said she's taking a course online. Yeah. Um, can you share with us a little bit more about um, any, you know, if there's a particular resource that you're using oh, to yeah. implement that? Sure. So Khan Academy, do you know it? I do. I love Khan Academy. Khan Academy is so wonderful. And when we can't find what we need at the library to explore our interests, Khan Academy is really great at explaining um, and going through lessons and the videos that they make and everything. So also with Khan Academy, my daughter is able to get that sitting at the desk and being taught by a teacher feeling mm. while being at home. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I'll make sure that I include the link for Khan Academy if anyone is not familiar. Um, they are an absolutely wonderful resource. And I know they have a lot of free videos too um, that are available and stuff, which is wonderful. Another really good um, resource for someone who's looking for more, I guess, formal classes or supplementation is OutSchool. Are you familiar with OutSchool? Uh, I've heard of it, but I haven't explored it at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, it has kind of that same idea where they teach different classes, but they're based on kids' interest. Um, so for example, I, I saw one the other day that they were teaching like elementary kids you know, coding and Minecraft and stuff like that. So they were learning like math through Minecraft. Yeah, that's awesome. And that would be another thing too about with the, with the unschooling. My youngest just turned 11 and she does not do math. Mm-hmm. You could not get her to sit down and do a math worksheet if your life depended on it. And she's very intelligent, but she just, it's not interesting to her. Yeah. So I would rather let her explore how to learn different mathematical concepts through other things. Like you're saying coding, uh, she really enjoys coding as well. Khan Academy has a great coding program that she does. And she was doing like, like ninth grade math. She was doing like algebra. My daughter who can't tell me her math facts was doing (laughs) algebra because she was doing something she wanted to do. So she was willing to learn the thing. Yeah. 
And, and, and you're so I feel like you really touched on this important idea that a lot of times we think like, oh, my kid isn't good at math, math in particular. I don't know why math just has this really bad rap. But, um, you know, a lot of kids, I feel like they really struggle with math. And, and I'm like, it's not that they're struggling with math. It's just the way well, one, the way that we're teaching math is completely bizarre. I mean, it's not even useful or applicable to actual real life. And two, it's just, I feel like it's, you know, we teach it in this way that's boring, you know, like when it's not relevant um, and the kids don't see the value in what they're learning, it makes it so difficult to learn. But when, you know, when they are interested in it, um, they do, they pick it up so quickly. And I've heard a lot of unschoolers say that, Um, that, you know, they, again, they never do a worksheet with their children. They never have any formal math curriculum with them, but they see their kids learning how to multiply and divide and learning their math facts and fractions Mm -hmm. and all these other things through playing video games, for example. Um, and so it, it is, it's very interesting that when, you know, when we remove that force aspect from it and we give them freedom to kind of do what they love, they pick up the skills that they need along the way. Yes, absolutely. Baking is one of the ways that we, my youngest learns math as well. You know, we're always, um, okay, well, if we double this recipe, what are we going to need? Because I definitely need 24 chocolate chip cookies. 12 is not going to cut it. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, let's make more cookies, you know? So she's learning because she wants to. And then the same thing with my son too. I have a boy in the middle. And he's, he will be 13 soon. And it was very difficult for him in school to sit still and to not just want to, you know, engage with his friends. And he was really always really good in school, but, um, oh, and he's, he really loves adults. Mm. He, I, um, I'm not really certain where that came from. Usually kids are kind of shy from, you know, grown up strangers, mm-hmm. but not my son. He loves, and he loves to give hugs and he's just very much a lover. And so when, he, when he was still in the public school system, I worried about him the most, I think. And mm-hmm. there was, um, a couple of times where the adults in his life in school were not doing what they needed to do to stand up for him which I felt was sending the wrong message. Um, But he, he does, he learns a lot through being able to read. He really enjoys reading out loud. And I think one of his biggest strengths is he'll take his knowledge from the day and apply it by trying to teach it to his little sister. Aww. Yeah. That's awesome. And it is, it's so, it's such a great way to reinforce your own learning. Um, I, I, there's this quote that talks about that of like, you know, we learn best that what we can teach to others, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's so true. I feel like even as a teacher, like I've had to have this deeper understanding of learning different concepts because I've had to teach them to, to children. And when you teach someone something, um, you know, you learn it so much better. So what an awesome opportunity for him to kind of really ingrain that learning into his own heart and mind. Um, and then also be able to help his little sister too. That's awesome. Yeah. And we were able to discover with him being home that because before we never had any time to do anything because my husband didn't get home from work until seven o'clock, which, you know, thank God is not the case anymore, but he was home late. They were always home late, it was always schoolwork. And then it was bedtime. Mm. We never had time to explore anything, but my son would always be on the video games. 
I mean, you know how kids are nowadays, and it was really having a negative impact on on all of their behavior. Hmm. But with with the unschooling, we found out he just, it's not necessarily just the video games, but this kid really likes to work with his hands, Mm -hmm. you know? So we bought him a toolbox. Oh, cool. And some wood. And now he just makes stuff. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. I, that's really cool that he's able to have that like hands-on learning too. That is so, so important for kids to be able to have access to that. Not just that like book knowledge, but being able to actually do real life stuff that matters to them. Yeah, absolutely. Two of my kids even started their own businesses. Really? Like to have spending money. (laughs) (laughs) Can you share with us about the businesses that they started? Sure. So my oldest got a job at the end of the last school year working with a with a woman who had her own business. It was it's about it has to do with homeschooling. And she kind of like leads these recess classes um, that are like health, like a health class designed Mm -hmm. recess classes. And so my oldest got certified in play fitness Mm -hmm. and it was like the best. She loved it. And then the lady moved further away and it was up to me to drive her 40 minutes away from the house for her to work for two hours and then just go pick her up again. So Mm -hmm. I told her, I said, Kara, you know, with the way, you know, cause I work from home as well. I said, now we have to figure something out that's going to fit into both of our schedules. We live in a neighborhood that's very, very close to other neighborhoods. And so my daughter, knowing that she could not, that she needed to be able to rely on herself started a babysitting business and she not only babysits, she house sits and pet sits as well. Mm. And so now she walks. So everywhere that she's ever advertised her, advertised her services for are places that she can either walk to or ride her bike to. Mm. And so now my, my 15 year olds got at any given time has a hundred bucks in cash in her pocket <laughs> because she did the thing herself. <laughs> That's interesting. And um, so she has the, uh, this dog walking, house sitting, babysitting business. And what about your other child's business? So Ethan will mow neighborhood lawns. Mm-hmm. And my brother had a lawnmower that he was not using. You know, the push ones like from the 40s. Yep. <laughs> Those things are so cool. And we live in a neighborhood uh, where there's a lot of other houses. So our yards are all pretty tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, so he pushes the the lawnmower down the road with a weed whacker over his shoulder and he'll weed whack and mow your front and backyard for 20 bucks. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> a pretty cool way to, you know, start getting experience and um, yeah. growing that entrepreneurial spirit. I, I have noticed that a lot of unschoolers tend to, um, tend to dive into these kind of entrepreneurial mm-hmm. opportunities. Um, and I, I truly believe that a lot of that desire to be an entrepreneur comes from having that unschooling experience, um, because no one else is forcing them to do anything or learn anything. Mm -hmm. Like they're really having to figure out what they like and what they want to do and how they want to spend their time. And, and it, it does, it like creates that desire of like, Oh, you know, what, what can I do? How can I make money? How can I solve these problems that I'm having with, you know, like my ride or, you know, my time or whatever. Um, Yeah, exactly. And then being in the public school system does not set anybody up for that anymore. I really think that we do kids a disservice 
by telling them that they are mere children until they're 18 years old. Because guess what? My 11-year-old is completely capable of doing her own laundry, washing the dishes. She can cook her own breakfast and lunch and pick up after herself because that self-sufficiency and independence is just so fostered in this setting that I have full confidence that when my children leave the nest, that they are going to be um, contributors, Yeah, you know, that they're, they're going to be safe, that they're going to be, be able to make those decisions. Yeah. And that is very important too, that we're constantly remembering like to prepare our children for the day that they are going to one day leave us, you know, that they can have these valuable life skills that are so important. I mean, I know at least for myself, I like, I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to do laundry. I don't know how to do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I graduated from high school and, it was challenging to have to like learn how to adult, you know, like as an adult like on and, the fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so that's definitely something I tried to change too with my daughter. Like she's, you know, she's seven, but she, you know, does the laundry, not all by herself, but, yeah. um, but, you know, having them be a part of like our day-to-day life stuff, like you mentioned, cooking, cleaning, mm-hmm. uh, laundry, all these different buying groceries, like, yeah. It, it is incredible the amount of learning that our children are doing as we share life with them, um, mm-hmm. as we go about our day and teaching them, you know, about unit price and buying and coupons and baking, you know, all these, all yeah. these incredible, valuable life skills that kids in, in schools just don't have access to, you know? Yeah. And when there is information that they need, that they come across, that is that they need to acquire, then they have the ability to do so at that time when yeah. they're ready for it. Yeah. When they need it. Absolutely. So I'm not worried that my nine-year-old doesn't know what like eight times four is because to be completely honest with you, I'll probably count on my fingers for the rest of my life, but. Or just pull out your phone and use your calculator. (laughs) That's always, that always makes me laugh as I tell my kids, you know, when I was in school, our teachers always said, you were not going to walk around with a calculator in your pocket. Yes. (laughs) But we do. do. We do. We do. And and it's so true. I feel like a lot of parents really get hung up on, especially with the math facts, like that's a big, big thing. And yes, you know, I think it is important for kids to be able to know their math facts. Of course, it makes certain aspects of life a lot easier when you can do stuff in your head. Um, But we have tools now that can do a lot of these things for us. You know, like there's a reason why we don't use an abacus anymore. You know, yeah. <laughs> like we have technology that is meant to help us do a lot of these certain things. And so if, you know, if your kid's nine and they can't do nine times four in their head really easily, like we can teach them strategies like using their hands or whatever, or they can also use these other tools that we have now um, yeah. to be able to, to figure these things out. I mean, I don't know if, anyone who's doing long division. I mean, like, do you? No, (laughs) Matt and I aren't friends. Okay. Yeah. Because at the time that the kids would be spent being forced to learn these things that they don't necessarily need at this time. And then imagine, so again, my daughter, not very good at math, but now she's now because she can't do it and she's continually getting bad marks from her teacher that's just going to eat away at her self-esteem. Yeah. 
is going to eat away yeah. at how she feels about herself as a person. And that's not setting her up for later on in life. And just because one, you know, one kid will have a strength in one place and a weakness in another place. But when we're constantly reminded of our weaknesses, it's that less and less likely we're really going to discover our strengths because we're not going to believe that we have any. Wow. That is a powerful statement. And so true. So, so true because we do in school, we're taught to focus on our weaknesses. We're taught to focus on the areas where we're struggling um, and the areas that are difficult and challenging. And yes, it is, it is helpful to challenge yourself. Um, But we, we kind of completely ignore these areas that are our strengths. And those are the areas where we typically discover our, our passions and our interests. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's wonderful that your children are having that opportunity to, to focus on their strengths and to not have to stress about these other aspects that aren't useful or meaningful to them right now. Um, I'm wondering, I know for a lot of people, unschooling is a completely foreign concept. Um, And it definitely was for me a couple of years ago as well. Did you have any concerns or fears about unschooling when you were first starting? Um, Honestly, for myself, no, but my husband did Mm. and my oldest daughter did. So my oldest daughter really wants to be a part of the education system in some capacity as she gets older. And so to want to, for that desire, she feels that in order to bring that desire of hers to fruition, that she needs to be working really, really hard right now. And, um, and my husband, you know, understandably so doesn't want them to fall behind, Mm -hmm. but explaining and kind of, um, having that conversation through that as they meet each phase and stages of their lives, different, like you said, challenges will come up and then they'll have to level up. Yeah. You know, and then the next thing is going to happen and then they'll level up again. And it's up to us as parents to make sure that, you know, it's not like I, I, because like I said, I work from home. It's not like I work in my office all day while my kids are doing whatever they want. Right. You know, so we talk about it. We do make a plan as far as my like. So for for our social studies class, uh, like sort of lessons that we do right now, I let my 11 year old and 12 year old decide how they wanted to learn about history, about Mm -hmm. American history. So now we're just picking people out of American history and learning about all these different events that happen in the same time period as like these Mm -hmm. different people. Um, But being able to um, meet them where they are and then helping them grow from there instead of telling them where they need to be and forcing that growth. Mm is really what opened my husband's eyes. See, he was, he was lucky enough. He went to a Waldorf school. Oh, wow. From eighth to 12th grade. And so for people that don't know what Waldorf is, can you um, just explain a little bit more about that? Cause I want to make sure that they, I, my listeners understand what you're talking about when you say Waldorf school. Yes, absolutely. The Waldorf school system is so amazing. They cater to, they keep their class sizes super, super small. And by small, I mean, there were seven kids in my husband's graduating class. Okay. And because of that, they're so, the teachers and educators are so able to be hyper-focused on each and every student that they are able to meet that student where they are 
mm-hmm. and then bring them to the next place instead of, like I said, tell them where they have to be. Yeah. So in the Waldorf school system, I know with your, your kindergarten teacher is likely to be your teacher all the way up through the 12th grade. And it's that same integration of, of ages because the, the older kids go to the younger kids. So it's basically unschooling in a, in a school, in a private school setting. That is a great way to describe it. I'm sorry, they're doing construction. Hold on one oh, sec. Okay. All right. Sorry, guys, for that brief interruption there. Uh, we are remodeling um, upstairs. And so I'm going to go ahead and just continue talking with Serena and I will mute myself so that you can hear all the amazing things that she has to say. Okay. Um, so anyway, so we were talking, you were sharing about your husband and the Waldorf school. So I'll let you go ahead and continue. Yes. So after talking to him about his experience in school and how similar that is to how I want to educate our children, making that connection with him, that this is something that actual people do, that our kids would be okay because he's okay. My husband, um, he is like a super genius. He's a nuclear engineer. And I was like, how do you think, like, you are so smart. I said, but you were taught and you were able to learn in a way that served you best. Cause he, cause he always says, you know what, this, this doesn't come naturally to me. It's something I find interesting, but I have to work really hard at it. I said, so see, cause it was interesting and you had the opportunity to learn about it because you wanted to. And so then he was, it was kind of like an aha moment for him. And now that's what we're doing with, with our children. And every once in a while, we have to kind of remind ourselves that, even like we said, even if they can't reiterate their math facts, doesn't mean that they're not, you know, have strengths in other places and going to be okay and be able to take care of themselves and support themselves and and all of that. Absolutely. You're totally right. And that's really cool that your husband has that background, you know, with that Waldorf school and that he's able to go, I mean, to be an engineer, you got to be some kind of brilliant to be able to do that. So so that's really cool that he's able to see firsthand that this kind of child-led learning process and having um, educational freedom in that sense and flexibility really has contributed to him being the kind of person that he is today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And there's another aspect about you two that I wanted to ask you about. So um, we do share something else in common that we are not only both unschoolers, but we are also both believers in Jesus. Um, And when I found it that in the unschooling community is that most of the people, at least from what I've observed, uh, most of the people that are unschoolers typically tend to be people that are not Christians. Um, And it's not a very typical, um, homeschool style to be mm-hmm. an unschooler as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm wondering how does unschooling fit in with your faith? Can I say something a little controversial? Absolutely. I feel like the reason why there, there might not be a lot of Christians unschooling is because unschooling, there aren't any rules. There's no specific guidelines you, you are free. There's autonomy. You are free to do it on your own and nobody's telling you what to do. And I feel like that scares a lot of Christians. I absolutely agree. I think you're totally right. It is, it, it is difficult when you think about removing, um, 
rules, you know, and that kind of legalistic aspect and interacting with people in a way where there is this mutual respect and love and kindness mm-hmm. and grace, mm-hmm. um, and kind of removing that element of, of force and coercion and someone else kind of telling you what to do and what you can't do all the time. Um, right. And I just don't think that that is very Christian at all. I mean, that's not what, that's not what Jesus came here for. You know, he didn't come here to tell us, make sure you guys are really good at conforming so that you can fit into society so that your life goes really, really smooth. Absolutely. Yes. I'm like, another thing, we'll have to put that on a shirt or a mug somewhere. (laughs) Yes. Jesus did not come to teach us to conform and to follow all the rules. Like he, he was a rebel. I mean, in a lot of ways, he was a rebel and he you know, he went against the grain and he focused on relationship and connection with people over any rule, um, that anyone set up and said that he needed to follow, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and then again, with unschooling, you have that time to foster relationships. We are not born compassionate people. I, at least I don't think so. Well, maybe we're born that way, but being so susceptible, and malleable at young ages, we tend to harden very quickly. Um, and when you can, when I, I feel like keeping my kids home is going to keep them from feeling as if they need to conform, keep them from feeling as if they need to be something other than what they are. And then especially because we, we do have this push to stand out and to be so individualistic in our society right now that people are grasping at straws to be different, you know, for so, for, for so many different reasons where, where we almost feel pressured to, to find what's unique about us to, to share. Well, I'm different than you because I do such and such or have such and such. But at that young age, you know, you don't, I didn't know what made me different until I'm 35 years old until very, very recently. So I had to unlearn who I thought I was in order to learn about who I really am. And it has been a very arduous uh, process. (laughs) And so I just, if I can help my kids to, to not, to have the least amount of layers to have to remove later. I think that that's, that's what it's about. Absolutely. Um, I'm wondering though, I know as a Christian, that was one of the things I was thinking about was, you know, the verse that talks about train up your child in the way they should go. How do you apply that as an unschooling family? Well, um, above all, a relationship with Christ is most important, but if we do, but to, to model that in the way that Jesus did, we have too many people and parents, especially who are, who try to, again, that the word force comes to mind, force our children into roles in the church when really church is inside of us. And so we have to take care of what's inside of us because that's where church is. That's where church happens. And so when we can take care of the stuff that's inside of us first is what is what Jesus calls us to do, because we have to be able to develop that relationship 
on free will, right? Like we were given, but if we try to force somebody into that relationship, it's not going to happen. So my husband and I, we model that. We talk about it with our children. They know what we believe and we will live our lives in the way that God has called us to and to model our lives for them. That's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. I'm wondering what, if anything, would you have done differently? I would have started earlier. I hear a lot of people say that. Everyone's like, oh, I wish that I, I wish I would have started earlier. Yeah, I, like I said, we started at the end of 2019. And thankfully, right, that we were able to make the decision to homeschool before the pandemic made that decision for us. And so again, that freedom of decision there, that really made a big impact on on how that feels for us. It was um, December of 2019 when the kids left for Christmas break, they never went back. That's wonderful. And then what advice would you have for someone who's considering homeschooling and specifically unschooling? Um, I I would tell everybody that it feels kind of scary at first. And at first it feels incomplete until that first time that your kid looks at you and pops up some information that you have not like, when you're like, how the heck did you know that? I'd be like, oh, well, when I was doing this and then you'll, you know what, that's so reassuring. My biggest piece of advice would be to is be involved. Definitely be involved, know what your kids are doing and like have an awareness of it without trying to force or use pressure and to trust the process. Those are some wonderful, wonderful pieces of advice. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. Um, uh, I'm, I want to try to um, wrap up quickly and then I want to have you come back on another day when we can talk and they're not drilling right above my head. Uh, sure. Um, so um, just to kind of close out, um, how can people connect with you, Serena? I know you mentioned that you have a business. Do you want to share a little bit about your business and then how people can connect with you, whether it's related to your business or to, um, or to you know, just connecting with you as another homeschooling, unschooling Christian mama? Yeah, sure. So uh, my business is called Life Between Weights. I'm a health and wellness advocate. And so the idea behind life between weights is that it's not all about working out. Being healthy does not mean that you go to the gym. It's your life in between. It's everything. Health is all encompassing. So I work with stay at home moms specifically to create healthy and sustainable lifestyles so that they can, like we were saying, shed those layers of themselves that the world has packed on and to really be able to see themselves for who they really are so that they can truly feel alive again. And so homeschool and unschool people out there, if you um, find me on Facebook, um, it's, uh, I have a Facebook group. It's um, facebook.com backslash groups backslash life coach for moms. And if you find me through there, I do have another group in which I do kid yoga lessons via live video. And so if you want to do some yoga with your kiddos, you can find me over there as well. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Serena. And um, thank you for, for joining me on my podcast today. It was an absolute pleasure being able to connect with you and talk with you. Um, and I would like to thank all of my listeners as well for joining us for today's episode. I hope that it was as much of a blessing for you as it was for me. Um, remember that there are new episodes that are released every Tuesday. So make sure that you subscribe so you will not miss out on a single one. Um, if you would like to continue to support me and my work, please share this episode with your friends and family and consider donating to the links below. Um, I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are, and I will see you next Tuesday. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders, and I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. If you like this video, please make sure you subscribe and click the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.